Welcome back. You are listening to episode 42 of Double Hop Beat, where we take the pulse of the beer and brewing scene. I'm James, a home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. It's the most wonderful time of the year, James. Is it Christmas yet? No, it's Halloween, baby. Oh, that's very scary. Yeah. That was my attempt at Dracula. Which okay. Was, like all my other impressions, ter- absolutely terrible. <laughs> In honor of the Halloween season, we are going to be exploring pumpkin beers this week. And we also have a special guest joining us who takes home brewing to an ungodly level. Oh, <laughs> I, I see what you did there. Up. I see what you did there. But first, let's get a check in on industry news. James, what do you got for us? So Shane and I love to check on industry news and to just kind of see what the craft beer scene's doing at the current moment, mm-hmm. and especially following up on previous episodes that we've done, different topics. And one of the topics we covered uh, in a previous episode was the surge in hard seltzers, spiked seltzers, and how kind of craft breweries and breweries in general have been getting into the game. So a recent Boston Globe article had Boston Beer Company So for those who don't know, Sam Adams is one of those brands under the Boston Beer Company. Mm -hmm. And as well, truly, Hard Seltzers are also from the Boston Beer Company. And so I think it was interesting that the article pointed out that just in this last week, their stock prices have surged 18.9%, which is kind of unheard of, I think. And it's three times what it was when COVID, the pandemic, started. So it's just showing that even though in a pandemic, their stock is rising due to these hard seltzers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I checked today, I think it was a little, it was still over $1,000. It was about like 1050 which is, I honestly didn't even know that their stock was that high to begin with. So it was a shock for me when I read that article. Experts are predicting that prices could rise as high as $1,200. A share? Yes. Wow. So if you own Boston Beer Company stock... It's a good time to sell, I guess, if someone wants to buy. Um, I mean, I'm not going to run out and buy any because I don't have over $1,000 to drop on one share of their company. But if you are so inclined, you should go check that out. As James said, the record highs could be tied to the surge in seltzer popularity. And Truly and White Claw currently hold 75% of the seltzer market. So their brand truly is really holding their own there. So that's... That's crazy that a what was once just a beer company now is getting a lot of their revenue through a spike seltzer. Yeah, I think um, what the article also was great that it touched on was just the awareness that the founder of Sam Adams in what breweries are they're being mindful of that their portfolios and making sure they diversify their portfolios. So mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the times right now, their core sales or their flagships, as you will, just aren't selling as well. And so, for example, Sam Adams has been trying to lower the price of their everyday beers that you can find pretty mm-hmm. much in any one of your local uh, liquor stores or beer stores versus their premium beers and kind of like diversifying the portfolio. Yes. Well, they're going to be diversifying even more when they come out with their non-alcoholic offering next year right so just yeah the just haze, the haze in IP. 2021 i'm looking forward to it because they i mean i guess their marketing and and getting you to already want it before it's out is working but i just think it's really interesting how they really focused on the ipa aspect and mm-hmm. so far i mean they were kind of like bullying of saying you know no one's out there right now with non-alcoholic craft beer with 
a good IPA or a good hazy IPA that everybody wants. So I think it'll be interesting to see if it lives up to the hype or if it's just another one of those uh, non-alcoholic beers that you can just leave on the shelf. Yeah, we'll see. Time will only tell. Time will tell. And speaking of time of year, (laughs) a lot of pumpkins are being picked and carved and drank, I guess, or Drank. Drank. A lot of pumpkins are being drank right now. (laughs) Well, last year I regaled everyone with some creepy tales of haunted breweries. So I didn't want to scare anybody this year. I feel like, like, you know, some people were quaking in their shoes after that episode, episode 16 for Halloween last year. So this year we're going to talk about pumpkin beer, which I am excited about because it's one of my favorite types of beer. You have always been on team I've always been ale. team pumpkin, yeah. I and mean, we'll talk a little bit later about why it's so contentious, pumpkin beer. But it's, it's my favorite. So I thought, in true Shannon fashion, I would give you a brief history of the pumpkin beer, James. Uh, here comes more history. What yeah. everyone wants to hear. I mean, why would you not? It's so I mean, exciting. yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I want to hear all about pumpkin beer. So I'll just Enlighten give you, me. Enlighten me. I'll give you a brief history. I don't want to put you to sleep. You don't want me to become the headless horseman because I can't. Yeah, I don't want you to turn into a pumpkin because this takes so so long, this story. Okay. So it may surprise you to know, James, that pumpkin beer actually dates back to the colonial period. Who would have thought? Most people assume that pumpkin beer, you know, came about in the past 20, 30 years, but it really has its roots in our colonial period. So wheat and barley were mostly used to make bread and feed the animals, not to brew beer. So the colonists had to resort to what was most abundant, and that was pumpkins. So if anybody's ever grown pumpkins, you most likely know that they go everywhere. They're like, they're a native uh, plant to North America, but they spread out. They get into every little nook and cranny. You really have to do a really good job at tending them and really taming the crop. So pumpkins were, were huge in the colonial times. I mean, they're not just huge in the colonial times, but they're huge now. Uh, and they're so easy to, to plant and to grow, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Like our cousin was just saying, like, they had some seeds from last Halloween that they had carved pumpkins, and they just tossed them into their the back of their yard. And mm-hmm. I guess they have horses and other animals, so there's a lot of manure out there, so good fertilizer. And uh, this year, they actually had a whole pumpkin patch show up. Yeah, it just yeah. shows how you don't, don't even have to take care of them. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so pumpkins were used as a source of starch for the beer, so similar to the way that malt is used now. And they would add spruce, ginger, and molasses to the beer for flavor. So the pumpkin wasn't used for flavor at all. It was basically just for the starch, and it also produced a very clear beer, so that's why it was used. But as agriculture grew in the States, the use of the pumpkin diminished. So it was replaced by what we now know most of our beers to be an As other immigrants came over and adapted more of the German style of brewing, pumpkin fell by the wayside. But it was not dead. It made a resurgence in the 1980s. So it has been attributed the original, quote unquote, pumpkin beer to Buffalo Bill's Brewery, which is out in California. And the tale goes... Bill Owens came across a recipe for pumpkin beer in none other than George Washington's notes about brewing at Mount Vernon. So apparently George Washington was making some pumpkin beer for all you haters out there. 
George Washington was doing it, so it must be cool. Man, I'm just surprised no one's come, like had a pumpkin beer with the Washington's pumpkin or something like. Well, well, maybe that's maybe the, well. There we go. If one of you guys are brewing at home, or no, we have to t- cash the TM that copyright. That's, that's not, That's what I'm saying. You know, you you guys can make the beer and just give us the naming right. So okay. that's not how it works. But <laughs> no, it's not. I'll patent uh, that right now. Yeah. So the brewery Trademark. started to grow pumpkins and brewing beer, kind of similar to how George Washington was doing it, and that's just like the kind of the first pumpkin beer and what we now know as pumpkin beers. Uh, most brewers for focus on the spice blend to make the pumpkin flavor. So the pumpkin itself doesn't really lend much of an impact to the beer. That's what you add in it that makes people think of like pumpkin pie. So a lot of people, when you think about pumpkin, you're like, ooh, you know, that warm Thanksgiving feel. At least that's what I think. <laughs> I just look at a pumpkin. I go, well, I guess I'll be carving that for the next couple yeah. hours and struggling yeah, and if you did not know, and I'm sure, I don't know, we'll talk a little bit more about what actually is pumpkin ale and just kind of the in-depth workings of it, but the Brewer Association has actually differentiated between two types of pumpkin beer. There's a pumpkin squash beer, which is brewed with pumpkin and no spicing, and then there is a pumpkin spice beer, which may or may not contain pumpkin, but does use spices to create that flavor profile that we all know. And according to Beer Advocate... There are thousands of pumpkin beers on the market. I totally believe it. Yeah, Uh, I mean, I was thinking about it a few years ago, really the only option that I knew about, and maybe just because I wasn't into the craft beer scene at the time, but Shipyard in our area was really the only pumpkin beer that we saw on restaurant menus, on the shelves. Like, there weren't that many options, and now there are thousands. Like, almost every, if you think about your, your local craft brewery, or what you've seen at the liquor store recently, almost every craft brewery is making some sort of pumpkin beer during the season. So it has definitely grown in popularity. I, again, we'll talk about it, but I'm a lover. I know there's a lot of haters out there, but I would say give pumpkin beer a chance. And if you find yourselves with an abundance of pumpkins and you don't like pumpkin beer, consider donating the extra pumpkins to your local farm because pigs and other animals love to eat pumpkins. I just want to throw that out there as a PSA yeah, sustainability. for all pig owners. <laughs> so that is my brief history of pumpkin beer, James. Yes. Are you still awake? No, I think I'm going to crack open another beer. Okay. You probably drank some of that um, high ABV pumpkin beer, and that's why you need to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. I need some uh, the coffee pumpkin beers that they have out there now. Yes. But so you kind of mentioned the two different types of pumpkin ales. You have like the s- pumpkin squash, and then you have the pumpkin with spices. And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's like, what kind of spices are used? And typically you can use nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice, and vanilla. And the interesting thing about using vanilla is unlike some of the other spices where you just put a little bit, and same with vanilla, vanilla, unlike pumpkin, that's going to kind of flavor is going to go away a little bit over time. Mm-hmm. Vanilla is there to stay. So just be mindful of that if you are going to be brewing a pumpkin ale uh, this season to make sure that you keep vanilla in mind uh, when you're doing it. And it kind of rounds off the spice flavor at the end. And it's kind of like an untangible like flavor. You mm-hmm. never associate, or I wouldn't, pumpkin spiced beer or pumpkin ales with vanilla having vanilla in it 
I would only because I've made many pumpkin pies and that's So there you go. So there's the baker's so, knowledge there that comes yeah. in. But pumpkin beer can also more traditionally have a dry finish due to the fermentable sugars that you get from the pumpkin. But now it seems more and more breweries are making these pumpkin beers sweeter, which I think just goes along with what craft beer drinkers are looking for right Mm -hmm. now there's a lot more sugar people out there like myself (laughs) that just you got to have every everything flavored and have that sweetness and they can also range in color from a light amber color to a dark imperial stout like a very Mm -hmm. deep copper color which i found inspiring in the last couple years of used to like you said only see the the lighter amber pumpkin beers Mm -hmm. and now you're seeing these imperial stout pumpkin ales or coffee infused or nitro and it's just given a whole new platform for the pumpkin ale which i think is awesome it makes me excited and so you're asking shan how can you use pumpkin as an ingredient there's Mm -hmm. many different ways you can use it and it all depends on number one what time of year you're making it so a lot of times if breweries right now are trying to be the first ones to market with Mm -hmm. their pumpkin beers to hit the shelves first, which more likely than not means they have to use last season's pumpkins in a canned form or in other forms. You mean there's not a black market for pumpkins they go to to get them? Not that I know of. I'm I'm sure there is. I'm sure there's a pumpkin patch out there that's got Sam Adams name written all over it that uh, you have to basically get in through. There's not some shady guy in alley. guards. Like the guy from Willy Wonka that yeah, they all thought was trying to steal yeah, those recipes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Slugworth. Yeah. So you can have pumpkin puree or you can take your pumpkin, cut it up into cubes. And it's kind of like you take the raw pumpkin and you're basically going to bake bake it usually with brown mm-hmm. sugar to get that caramelization. You usually put it in the fridge and then once your brew day is ready, you'll take it out. I'm talking in home brewing scales. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't necessarily go and put it in a fridge if you're a craft brewery. But I mean, that the, sounds like something I want to eat. But essentially, you want to make sure that there's no skin on it also because you're gonna, basically what you do is you're going to press it just because you want the juice uh, from those pumpkins. You can also put it in a mesh bag, the pieces, and do it in the boil kettle. Hmm. So you can either add it to the boil kettle. You can either add the pumpkin to the mash with the grains or you can also add it during fermentation. So that's where you would want to make sure that you put it in a grain bag or a mesh bag, more like, or a, you know, especially in the boil too, a hop mm-hmm. strainer. Otherwise, you're going to get all that pulp in if you don't do a good job of getting the skin off, and it could just be a mess. So be you mindful that. of that. You don't want that. You don't want messes as much as possible. You don't want to waste pumpkin beer. That'd be a tragedy. Yeah, well, I mean, you can make pumpkin pie with the pieces of pumpkin after you use it. So True. And the spices are typically added uh, to the kettle to get the sugars out, or you can add it post-fermentation to kind of round out the aroma of your pumpkin beer. Okay. Sounds great. And it sounds like I want to go make some now. Yeah, well, it could take anywhere from three to four weeks, so... I will drink it any time of year, so I'm fine with waiting. Depending on uh, <laughs> whether you do secondary fermentation, I would recommend you put it into... One set of fermenters, and then you transfer it to another before kegging, just to make sure you don't get any clogged kegs out there, because that has happened, and that is a pain in the ass. Mm -hmm. So the great pumpkin beer debate, Charlie Brown. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Uh, It's just one of those categories of beer that I feel like you can't really be like. It's it's very, like, people get very aggressive about it. Passionate? 
No, it's a great, it's a great, <laughs> there's a difference between passionate and aggressive. I've never seen people try and kill me across a table, lunge across a table fast enough than when I used to say, you know what? I hate pumpkin beer. I, for a while, I just want to go You being record. one of them. No, I was, I'm just pointing out the record to say I was not one of those people. Yeah. You, you had great restraint. Yeah. I, I mean, I just knew that it wasn't your style, I guess. Like you were more into the hoppy beers and pumpkin beers typically aren't hoppy at all. So until recently, you have not yeah. really dipped a toe into the pumpkin beer market or the pumpkin beer offerings. Well, so. so I think too, it, it just shows how if you have one beer or you're only introduced to one beer out of a style mm-hmm. and you kind of judge it based on the whole style of beer based on that one beer you've had, you're missing the mark. Yeah, and I think it, I learned that the most with mm-hmm. these pumpkin ales. Because you tried Shipyard. I try Shipyard, and it's more of the lighter um, amber uh, color. It's a little subtle with the spice flavor. But I also had your Rosemary's Baby, which is one of your favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was kind of the opposite. That was the opposite (laughs) side of the spectrum with the kind of the spice flavor um, that you get in that pumpkin beer. Well, I feel like for the you, the Shipyard was kind of like the Bud Light of pumpkin beer. Like, that's kind of like what it yeah. felt like. You yeah, like, right. That's, like I think watery, that was words like, exactly out of my yeah. mouth. Yeah. So I think you had a, you judged all pumpkin beers based off of I one did. assumption. I did. And now I think you're maybe turning into a believer. But I feel like people either love or hate pumpkin beers, mostly hate them because there is an abundance of pumpkin things this time of year right so you've got your pumpkin spice latte you've got pumpkin smelling air fresheners you've got yeah it's it's just very overdone I feel like Like, it's just very overdone and I think that hatred goes into that like mm -hmm. what you were saying like the kind of mindset right and also for the same reason you could also get nostalgic with a pumpkin beer because it's kind of signaling you know like at least in New England the changing of the season and it's going to get yes. colder and you're going to want something usually you reach for something a little bit heavier a little bit more you know malty or you want you know like that just rich fulfilling flavor because it's so cold and you're trying to have something it's just out cozy. there it's just there you, there you go see it's, like you just yeah. associate it with those kinds of things there's a sensory perception that comes along with the pumpkin beer experience. But for me, it's beyond the flavor profile. Like I obviously enjoy all the spices. Like my, in general, I like beers with that nutmeg cinnamon flavor in them. Like for instance, the Grey Lady from Cisco Brewing. That's one of my favorite just general overall beers. And that's a spiced flavor profile. So I, I just like that in general. But when it comes to the pumpkin beers, I also really enjoy the creativity that comes along with naming them. Like outside of the f- actual beer, the product itself, it's what is the name going to be and what is the can artwork? I think it's just, for me, Halloween is my favorite holiday, if you guys have not heard yet. And so it really is like, how can you incorporate Halloween into the pumpkin name? Like there's a couple out there that have to do with like Ichabod or the Headless Horseman or, you know, the traditional Sleepy Hollow Halloween creepy stories so it's it's also the art that goes into the pumpkin beer for me yeah i would say the the can art and the art that you get on the bottles and a lot of these pumpkin ales are aged in rum barrels Mm -hmm. or they're aged they're in those nice cask style those giant bottles you know like the bombers and that just gives more space for artists to kind of go to work and i don't think the names necessarily like to me, like I couldn't name as many pumpkin ales as I could beers because they're all 
pump this, pump king, blah, 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 blah. everything's got pumpkin, <laughs> freaking pump in it or pumpkin, like that's all pumpkin. It's like pumpkin head, pumpkin face, like they're all freaking <laughs> pumpkins. Like I can only take so many pumpkins, so okay, and so many images of pumpkins. So that's where you're saying like the, let the artist go to work and kind of do different Halloween themes, plays on pumpkins. The naming, not so much because everyone's pumpkin beer has to somehow say pumpkin. Not necessarily. Well, we'll see. We'll Not see about that. Not necessarily, James. Um, Just want to say that. But they're getting better, they're, especially the true independent craft breweries. I think mm-hmm. really make an effort to come up with great names and diversify what a pumpkin ale is. So we'll touch on that. Yes. So your love, you love it. I'm I think starting. you're on the I'm, iffy side. I'm on <laughs> like. I don't, I used to hate it. Like, I wouldn't say I was troll level. No. I would say I was probably just like a silent hater where I wouldn't have it myself. And mm-hmm. I'd kind of like give, a snarky, give it a chance. I'd kind of look at you when you ordered it and you had to get your cinnamon on the rim. Like, I think Ugh. that bothers people more than the actual fact of it's a pumpkin ale. I think it's more of like, oh, you're, you're that like craft beer person who's got to have the cinnamon on the rim and you got to have, you know, it, high maintenance, whatever. Well, it's like kind of to that point, there are people out there and rightly so they can like what they like it's you know everyone has their own taste buds and what they prefer in their beer or how they prefer their beer to be made but another argument for why people do not like pumpkin beer is because they feel like it's not traditional brewing ingredients and they don't like that these non-pure ingredients are being added into a beer so, so for some people it's actually like a visceral like yeah the Voldemort's of the world just yeah. want like the purest of beer but if they listen to this episode they will find out that pumpkin is actually very yeah, pumpkin traditional squash, yeah. so you should maybe use that to change your perception of pumpkin beer but what i was gonna say is i think too is i've been homebrewing more and more over these years i think one of the benefits to being a home brewer is that your palate kind of you mature your palate mm-hmm. and your senses and you just your awareness of you know different styles and just different flavors and um, ingredients that go into these beers rather than oh let me look on untapped oh it's a 4.0 so i better like it oh there's something wrong with me if i don't like it because mm-hmm. it's got majority of 4.0s so that's why i don't like the rating scale I can you can use it, but again, I think as a home brewer, what I picked up on, especially with these pumpkin ales, is the difference of drinking the same beer with and without a cinnamon rim, or even putting some nut, nutmeg on the top of the beer. What different flavors and different ingredients that you get out of it? It might highlight the malt that's used, like one of the base malts that you use. It might highlight the fresh pumpkin. You know, you can tell those differences based on whether it's got some spice or not. So I think it's just a great, great addition, and everyone should try it. I recommend take your same pumpkin ale at home, pour it in two, try one with nutmeg on the top, try one with cinnamon (laughs) on the top, and then try one as it is, and just like the rawness of the beer. Like, it's just great. Yes, and whether you love or hate pumpkin beers, we still like you. So (laughs) you're entitled to your own opinion. I will always be on the love side. Yeah, don't be a jackass about it or a jack-o'-lantern about it. I will be the person in in July or August drinking the pumpkin beer always, so haters going to hate. Yeah, I mean, they say (laughs) it can last three to four months, so I know there's a lot of people who stockpile their Halloween beers. Again, fresh is always better. I will say I was drinking a shipyard pumpkin head at a wedding in May. That was That was literally from the last season, so it was a dollar, so I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Dollar beers, yeah. 
I would think I was the only person that was drinking them, and there was five in a bucket, and I you're like, only I'll spent take, five dollars. You're like, I'll take the lot. I think that was the most I've ever seen you drink for, for beer. For a wedding that was a cash bar, I probably spent the least amount of Shannon money Shannon taking ever. dollar bills out. I'm like, where are you getting all these singles? I spent $5 on beer. It was very exciting. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> so now we're going to get into some of our favorite pumpkin beers. Right, James? Yeah, so I want to kick start it off with the kind of the pumpkin beer that kind of opened my eyes to the idea that I could like pumpkin beer. Mm -hmm. And this just happened by chance. And actually, this is where it kind of like market, not marketing, but like can art like sold me on it. Because (laughs) so as all you guys know, we're big Hocus Pocus fans. Clearly, we dressed up uh, last Halloween Mm -hmm. in costume. And so this one brewery, uh, Bay State Brewing in Worcester, they this is their first year with it and it's called Binks and it's just a very clever can art if you go on their website you can check it out and i will just it, say it is not called pumpkin binks it is just called binks true so, true so touche touche shannon touche <laughs> and this this one i really love because it's got a nice amber color but it's really well balanced between the pumpkin and spice flavor so i don't mm-hmm. like my pumpkin beers overly spiced and i don't like them necessarily thick pumpkin pie beers necessarily unless I'm in the mood for that. So this is an easy <laughs> drinking beer. I loved it. It was it was great. It did have the cinnamon on the rim. Yep. I've had it with and without and I loved it equally. But again, the cinnamon definitely adds a little touch to it. Another one that's kind of opposite spectrum of that, mm-hmm. another local uh, independent craft brewery that we always talk about, La Shoe in Marlboro, Massachusetts, Eastwich. Again, Shannon can say, oh, look, another one of those pumpkins not in the that. name. <laughs> anyway, this is 6.6%. And I think it's really funny that they have 6.66%. It's, yeah. Yeah. See, more creativity. There you go. I'm just proving you're right. Here yep. we go. And it's a dark copper color. And this uses a Belgian yeast, and they have local pumpkins in it, as well as vanilla. And the vanilla, I thought, was really good at the end, the finish of this Mm -hmm. beer. Uh, It was just wonderful. It was great. But another one of my favorites is Southern Tears Pumpkin Nitro, which I believe this is the first first year. year. Yeah, Mm -hmm. because I've had pumpkin before, and it's just one of those rate heavier about 8.6 percent so uh, it's a bit heavier deep copper color rich creamy and the body on this is just great uh love that body (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) i don't know what that was i don't know i i just was weirded out by the word body for a minute i don't know why (laughs) i think it's too much of this pumpkin at me right here uh but they're flavor very flavorful beer it's got a nice pumpkin and spice balance and also roasted pecans uh in it which gives it that little bit of nuttiness or for those people who say pecans 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 whatever yeah so my three i have three favorites as I've mentioned multiple times in the past, and people are probably sick of me saying it. We're so sick of it. Two Roads, Rosemary's Baby. Again, no pumpkin in that title, James. <laughs> it is a 6.8% ABV, and it is a rum barrel-aged pumpkin beer with pumpkin, vanilla, and hints of oak, as well as a touch of rum. Yum. <laughs> rum, yum, nice. <laughs> nice one. And this is definitely a heavier beer. At least I I think it's a heavier beer. It has a very strong flavor. And the pumpkin, I think, is a little more subtle. You definitely get the vanilla and the rum coming forward. It is 
probably my it's my go-to if I just want to like chill out have one maybe two and just really enjoy the Halloween put it in a nice goblet and just sit there and just enjoy and this is actually one that I don't drink with cinnamon on the rim so not all pumpkin beer I just want to say that too has to have cinnamon on the rim I think this is one that I enjoy without it yeah uh I I mean I've definitely had it with it but I and I I think the rum Aging it in the rum barrel really mm-hmm. matures that flavor profile mm-hmm. of just like keeping it smooth and velvety and, and just yeah. like you just chill. It just mm-hmm. like triggers you to just like relax. I yes. think is great. Anytime I see you with a two roads, I'm like, all right, she's having a good day because <laughs> she's got Rosemary's baby. She's happy. It's either a good day or I was really stressed out and now I just need to like zen with my Rosemary's baby. You don't have to be like, cut the crap, James. Yeah. <laughs> And on the opposite end of the spectrum, the original, what actually got me into pumpkin beer, Shipyard Pumpkinhead, which is a 4.5%. It is a crisp, golden, amber color with a subtle spice flavor. And they, so they started out with this pumpkin head, which is just very light. So if you're looking to, you know, just have something that's more for like a session beer, then. If you're looking for something for your mother who um, yeah. has one sip of anything and goes off the walls, uh, this is my mom's favorite beer. So shout out. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's just a good, you know, hanging out with your friends. You want to be in the fall spirit or you're at a restaurant and you have to, you know, you don't want to have too many. It's a good, it's a good light pumpkin beer. They've also come out with recently in the past couple of years, their smashed pumpkin. And that is a 9%. So definitely the opposite end of the spectrum from the pumpkin head. And it is more pumpkin and nutmeg. It's a stronger flavor I think I got that for you last season and Mm -hmm. you weren't a big fan just because it was either the nutmeg that kind of like hit you the wrong Uh, way or it was just like you weren't expecting it to be as heavy. I think for me, it's the, it's heavier and the percentage is so high at least, I mean, I don't tend to drink high percentage beers. I know you, you know, often frequent the 9, 10, 11 percent. That's um, good. Yeah. <laughs> not in a bad way. Me, she's given the look of, how do I say this without being like, yeah, he likes the higher ABV No, I mean, beers. it's just something that you, you like to enjoy. And for me, I tend to trend for you an eight For you, the, an 8% beer is an extremely high ABV beer to have versus me. I'm like, oh, that's middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just like, I enjoy beers that are a little bit less. So for me, it was a little bit too high. It wasn't horrible. I wouldn't say I'd never drink it again, but it was not my favorite. If I had to pick out of the two, I would definitely pick the pumpkin head. I think maybe it could have been to the volume that you had to drink because in for that one, it's like a the bomber was, style yeah, bottle and bomb. I wasn't going to drink it with you. So you kind of had to just polish it off yourself. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. could have been too. Yes. And then lastly on one of my favorites is the Booyah from Wachusa Brewing, which is also local to us. And it's 6.6%. It's a, just a spiced pumpkin ale. Simple. Uh, they do do the sugar on the rim there, and it's just a nice, a nice middle of the road. Yeah, it was pumpkin. It's very refreshing. Mm-hmm. I think I had it a couple of weeks ago um, at the brewery because they had a nice outdoor mm-hmm. their brew yard, and their brew yard you can have a booyah and a yeah. brew yard. Yeah, and then lastly, I have not had this one, but I thought it was just kind of showcases how pumpkin beers have developed over the years. It's the Elysian Puncacino, Puncacino, a uh, beer. So it is a 6% coffee pumpkin ale. So if you are a fan of pumpkin coffee, pumpkin spice lattes, I think you should check this one out. It actually did get some good reviews uh, for people who have tried it this year. And it's made with Stumptown coffee, cinnamon, and nutmeg. So I thought that was very interesting. 
definitely diverging from the traditional just pumpkin and spices and infusing that coffee in there. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to pick up some of that mm-hmm. because uh, just the flavor differences and I'm interested to see what the coffee does with the nutmeg in there. So so those are the pumpkin beers that we enjoy. Feel free to share with us what your favorite pumpkin beers are. So in order to fully embody the fall spirit and round out our pumpkin discussion, we are joined by home brewer Robbie from Chainsaw Brewing in Washington State. Robbie, thanks for joining us today. Hey, mate, guys. Doing great. Thanks for having me out. Yeah, thanks for being on. So why don't we just start off by you telling everyone what you do and what you're all about. Okay, well, yeah, I'm really getting into the home brewing the past couple of years, but I've been doing it for just over five years. Got interested in it. I was originally in the wine industry, so I learned a lot of my fermentation and like a lot of the bio- biology and chemistry side from the wine industry. But then I got kind of, I wanted to come home and do something else that wasn't wine related. So I got into beer. I got into brewing, so still still interested in wine, but I'm still I'm really focusing my time on brewing right now for my hobby. But it's a hobby for now, but hoping to be building something in the next couple of years or just whenever it kind of happens <laughs> with a family and a lot, always trying to kind of figure out times and figuring when I can brew. So it's, I pretty much have a schedule lined up for like two months at a time, my brewing schedule. So have it on the calendar and it's pretty much kind of make it like a, another job yeah like another job that's like an understatement right as a home brewer it's just like it's so time consuming which is a great thing right it's the, one of the, probably the best hobbies out there i think biased oh, of yeah. course I, I i have to agree i've got <laughs> a couple other things i do too but um yeah probably brewing takes up the most time and which mostly compromises lots of cleaning yeah, a lot of cleaning. And what gallon, what size do you usually brew? Is it like a 10-gallon batch? Or what's your typical brew day uh, batch? My typical batch is actually, I do like 12 and a half gallons, which is a little bit different than like some people do like 10. or. But my, my system can do up to a half barrel, so 15 gallons if I want to. But I kind of do that so I can compensate for a lot of my beers. I heavily dry hop, so I get some loss that way from just all the hops. So I can fill two corny kegs and then a couple couple growlers I kind of fill off to the side because I already, they're pretty much already carved since I have a spike. I have a spike SF-15. I can pressurize and carbonate within that tank right after fermentation while cold crashing. So I put the, the excess into some growlers and then I try some little extra experimentals and a lot of that stuff sometimes. So. But usually, yeah, 10 to 11 gallons, try to make sure I get two full corny kegs each time. Yeah, that's great. I think like one of the good things with the larger batch size, like you said, is you're able to kind of figure things out and experiment a little bit more than, I guess with my brewing is five gallon batches going up to 15. It's it's really great to be able to even take the same recipe and then you can at post-fermentation either add different hops or dry hop or do different things with the same brew day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've it was it's pretty much been just the past the past two years is when I've getting gotten into the larger batches. But before then, yeah, I was always I was five gallons. So I just I've with all my friends and family that are kind of backing me on all the stuff that I'm doing and having a lot more people to want to taste and I'm sending beers a lot too to people. So really just trying to put the name out there. Mm-hmm. Try to go to as much breweries as I can and bring a couple cans, a can 
uh, every time I go out and just kind of pass them out to some people and see what they think, give me honest feedback. So that's kind of what I, my main goal right now is kind of just, yeah, getting to know as many people as I can, talk to as many people as I can, uh, really just get to know the industry from the inside. Yeah, I think uh, one of the great things about, you know, social media these days is you're able to make those connections. What we really want to talk about is not your Cinderella's pumpkin, okay? You had a, what was it, a hundred plus pound pumpkin? And what did you do with it for a brew day? Yeah, so that was just a really fun project. Me and one of my other home, home brewing friends, um, he's on social media too, that's at Copperpaw Brewery. But him and I came up with this idea. Uh, our families are good friends. So we were out at one of the local pumpkin patches. We have a couple of them out here and they're all very um, agriculture area where, where we live. So there's always a section in all the pumpkin patches where there's just large pumpkins, like just ginormous ones. And they do a lot of stuff with that usually. But him and I were just walking around like, man, we've never bought the biggest pumpkin in the patch before. We should do that. And then I was like, we looked at some of these like, we could do a full, full mash in one of these. And then we were just like, would that even be possible? Like, would it just ruin the beer? And we we're like, well, there's only one way to find out. I kind of looked into it. I haven't really seen too many people brew inside of a pumpkin. I've seen people do stuff with other pumpkins or like chop up little pumpkins and put them in their mash or whatever. But we wanted to make the pumpkin our actual mash vessel. So <laughs> it was really uh, for the moment. We're like, okay, we're both buying 100 pound plus pumpkins. Let's create a recipe and let's brew this the next day. So a crazy idea that we got at the pumpkin patch. So I feel like that's like living the dream, right? Like everyone wants to pick the biggest pumpkin in a pumpkin patch, or at least we do when we get there. And then we're just like, oh no, you know, we're okay. And then you just took it a step further. It was like, you know what? Let's, let's mash in this thing. So the process, tell us a little, get dirty. Like how long did it take you to carve out? What did you use? Um, did you use your equipment first to get, you know, your water up to temp? Just run us through the process a little bit. Okay, so yeah, I had my um, my strike water going in a smaller, in a, I did a five-gallon batch in this. I wasn't able to do a full batch size that I usually do. And so I did, we just, we did five-gallon batches, but basically got my strike water going and smaller kettle that I had to get all the water up to, I got it to about 170. I did it a little high to compensate for whatever heat the pumpkin would soak up, but I knew it was a good insulator. It's a really thick, thick walled pumpkin so but carved the, the head off the pumpkin scraped out all the the meat of the pumpkin or just the, the gooey inside um we use, i just used a giant spatula <laughs> to really just ripping out of the inside and then i actually we spread um brown sugar on the inside of the pumpkin and then blasted it with our port with the torch to kind of crisp in and caramelize the inside of that pumpkin as well. And we were just thinking, well, it might give it, it'll kind of give it a little bit more of a baked flavor instead of just totally raw pumpkin, just to kind of cook the inside a little. But the brown sugar did really well. And then, yeah, lifted those pumpkins up. My buddy had a tractor, so we were able to just lift the pumpkins up on the back of the tractor so they're up in the air. Filled the pumpkins with our mash-in water, strike water, at 170. Took a temp, and it looked like it went down about five to eight degrees, which was perfect for us to just add our grain, added the full amount of grain, full volume mash in. So had a temperature probe in there and was able to keep the temperature between 152 and 154 the whole hour. 
the pumpkin was actually very surprising in how much it insulated that water pretty well. Like it did just did as a regular mash time. So we were happy about that. Yeah, just, just closed the lids on the pumpkin and let it let it sit there for an hour. Mashing out, then we I basically had a kettle, my boil kettle underneath the pumpkin, lined with a brew bag filter, and then just dip, drilled a huge hole in the center of the pumpkin really quick and let all of it drain out from the pumpkin into that brew bag into my boil kettle and then lifted that bag out and squeezed all the the wort out that I could got all my got all the the wort I needed so then after that just went to my 60 minute boil time what style beer were you uh, decide to do for this beer so this um I decided to go start I I've I'm not necessarily even really a pumpkin beer fan. <laughs> so you would be on the you'd be on the dislike for pumpkin beers. <laughs> we were just talking about this uh, a little earlier. Uh, Shannon's a lover. I'm warming up to it, but I'm still not there yet. So uh, I'm a, I usually like to have one a season and see if anyone's come out with something different. <laughs> but there's there's not a whole lot to choose from in the pumpkin beer world, at least for me around this area. But usually just because they're too sweet in my mind and just kind of don't have that. They have like that pumpkin spice flavor and not necessarily a, a pumpkin squash flavor, mm-hmm. which that's kind of what I was going for. Didn't use a whole lot of spices or I didn't use pumpkin spice. I think because there's people that you don't even need to put actual pumpkins in a beer. You can just use pumpkin spice. And I didn't want to do that. I actually would think if it was to be called a pumpkin beer you use actual pumpkin in it. So it came out to be a vanilla rye pumpkin stout. Mm. Yeah, so I used a decent amount of rye in that, made it, that kind of, in my mind, brings on the spice itself naturally, rye a little bit more of a spice malt in my mind or grain. So, and then I made a, I don't know if you've ever heard of a tincture. So I use a tincture, which is like keeping, I use deep, vanilla beans or whole vanilla beans that I sliced open and bourbon. Ooh, that sounds uh, delicious. Oh, so I put those in like I had a mason jar, filled it up with bourbon, sliced open three vanilla beans and just let that steep during fermentation basically for 10, 10, 12 days. And then at kegging, I added that whole tincture into the keg. So that kind of gives it that vanilla the vanilla really comes through and then even the bourbon adds a little bit of spice towards it as well and about how long um did you have this uh beer fermenting for my setup usually is pretty pretty good i use the california five from white lab i let it ferment for it basically finished fermentation right around eight seven eight days when it was totally done then i was able to cold crash for another two days and then i put it in the keg and let that force card for two days at 32 psi and then let it condition in the keg for another couple days so it was probably like two two weeks a little bit more than two weeks for the whole beer from the brew day to when i could serve it in pipe. and how did it turn out that's the important question for me i was very skeptical and we were really doing this just so we had something fun to do that day um but our it it turned out great honestly um i was surprised <laughs> i wasn't surprised myself that it wasn't just going to come and just taste like dirt from a pumpkin inside of a pumpkin yeah the pulp of the pumpkin yeah i just didn't know if it was going to taste like a farm at that point but no it the pumpkin flavor was like kind of how i was saying i liked it tasted a lot more like a fresh a fresh pumpkin and not necessarily just sweet baked pumpkin pumpkin flavor right uh 
but it has that it hits that perfect little subtle pumpkin flavor where it wasn't it wasn't as much as I was expecting. Um, I don't know if that's because the vanilla and the bourbon kind of overpowered that, or maybe I should have left some of the pumpkin meat inside of the pumpkin during the mash. Um, but all I know is that it tastes great and people come to like it and the story behind it, I think makes it that much more fun for people to drink. Now, do you think you'll make this an annual event? I'm planning on it. Okay. Each year, some different kind of massive pumpkin brew. Now, maybe not the exact same beer every year. Like, so my friend, so he did, he did basically the same kind of setup as me, but he actually did a, he did a double IPA. He did a double IPA pumpkin beer, and I can't say I've ever had something like that. And it was also, it had that nice, fresh pumpkin flavor in it and not just pumpkin spice. And my, when I did my um, steeping of the vanilla beans, I also added cinnamon and in that and so that that also kind of brought that little sweetness forward and then i also in the in the boil added lactose for just adding that little bit of creamy creaminess to it so it's been it finished off right around six and a half percent for the stout okay so so i think it's a good range like six and a half percent that's very very approachable for people even trying to get into stouts too i think it's not too high from the four and a half that most people are familiar with with certain stouts at least in our area but i think that's a great like great abv yeah that yeah ended ended right about 1.018 so it was a dry it's not a super sweet stout it's so a lot of the fermentation took care of a lot of the sugars, basically a little bit higher final gravity because of the lactose, since I was going off kind of a an American stout style, which is a little bit drier than other styles. Yeah, I think that style too plays off of the kind of the t- two different kinds of pumpkin beers out there. And you kind of hinted that you don't like the spice, you know, the pumpkin spice ales. You're more uh, traditionalist with the pumpkin, kind of the pumpkin squash. You're more pumpkin flavor. So I think the stout is just, you get that dry finish that you would with a pumpkin squash style pumpkin ale. It honestly surprised me. We were, I thought this through and thought this is probably the best way to make it so it's at least drinkable, but turns out it's really drinkable and people (laughs) like it. And I think that two different styles are complete polar opposites too that you and your friend decided to make, which I think is awesome. Like you'd think, all right, let's both do the same thing. And, you know, I love the creativity there that you guys decided to do. And I think that's one of the great things about homebrewing, right, is you get to do this, have some fun, and just go for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was um, his double IPA. Yeah, it came out. I mean, it's a heavier beer for sure. It was right around 8%, but his it was nice kind of orangish color which was kind of cool since being a pumpkin beer it came out a little bit like darker orange double ipa and just had that nice subtle pumpkin flavor he added a couple more a little bit a couple more different spices so i respect like i mean who would have thought to mash inside of a pumpkin we haven't really i haven't really been able to see anyone else that's really done it i know there's a brewery up in Seattle called Elysian. They they make a, a lot of the pumpkin beers. I don't know if it gets mm-hmm. out to the east for you guys, but they make a lot of pumpkin beers and they usually have like a big pumpkin beer festival in Seattle and they serve one of their beers out of a huge pumpkin. They put a tap onto the pumpkin and they serve their beer out of the pumpkin. 
Yeah, so we, we've we've done that. We've done um with our kegerator, and we've had the um, hookup go right through the faucet, go right through the pumpkin, kind of like a yeah. put it over, cover the tower, and just make it you know interesting for party goers. But definitely yeah. brewing out of it is a whole new yeah. level, and I think that's just sure. awesome. And once things get back to normal, I think. Uh, you know, I, th- I could see that being at festivals, you know, like a brew off competition where you mm-hmm. got to go out to the pumpkin patch and, you know, pick whatever strategic pumpkin you want and brew in it, you know. It turned out what was just a crazy idea from me and my buddy turned out to be coming out to two really good beers that we enjoyed and other people enjoyed as well. So even people who are like, oh, I won't ever drink a pumpkin beer. Pumpkin, <laughs> they're like anti-pumpkin. The trolls, pumpkin trolls, yeah. <laughs> like, wow, this is, this doesn't really taste like pumpkin beer. This just tastes like, like something fresh and a little bit of that pumpkin flavor, but not like that fake that fake candy pumpkin flavor, mm-hmm. <laughs> which they feel get out of everything pumpkin spice. But it's like, so for me, that that was a win. I thought it was a it was a fun thing. Now, did you cut the top of the pumpkin using a chainsaw? Because your name is Chainsaw Brewing. I think that would be very appropriate. Maybe was, next year. Maybe next year. That was something that was slightly overlooked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can just see hacking away. Well, we didn't really think this part through. Like, this maybe should get a smaller pumpkin. Next year, we'll cut the top off of a pumpkin with a chainsaw. There we go. It'll probably be a lot messier, though. But, but uh, yeah, thanks yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, why don't you tell listeners where they can find find you and watch that awesome video of you, you know, with your pumpkin. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just Chainsaw Brewing on Instagram. Check it out. You can find all I posted all the videos on the on my page on the Instagram page. So awesome. that's where you can find. And then I'm trying to keep up with all my social media postings. That's kind of how I'm documenting all my brewing myself is just posting to Instagram as kind of my own log that way. So I try to keep posting a couple times a week and I'm usually brewing two to three times a month just trying to do turn as much product as I can and experiment as many times and get recipes nailed down. Well, that's great. I would say that James really was very enthusiastic about your video. He told me multiple times about oh, it. Yeah. And I was like, yes, you've you already told me. I, it's, I saw it. It's really cool. <laughs> so uh, I encourage listeners to go over to your profile and check it out because it is a really cool and unique experience, uh, especially during this fall season. Yeah. And I didn't even think how much it was going to blow up. We took videos of our day and just documented it. And then it turned out, wow, this video has almost 7,000 views. How did this? <laughs> I didn't even expect posts that I've made before that I would want people to see gets like a couple hundred views. And then how this one just blows up and gets 7,000. It's like mind blowing. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you never know what's going to get people. <laughs> well, thank you, Robbie, so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. And have a great Halloween if you're if yeah. you're celebrating. <laughs> yep, we will we'll have a great Halloween. You awesome. guys too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Double Hot Beat. Continue the brewing session. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're a home brewer and you want to share your experience, direct message us or email us at doublehotbeat at gmail.com. Yeah, and check us out on everywhere you get your podcasts. You can rate and review us. And if you are so inclined, please subscribe because that's how we get more um, subscribers on those platforms. And I just want to wish everyone a very happy Halloween. Halloween. (laughs) Stay safe out there and have some craft beers. Make it a pumpkin beer this time. Why not?
Yeah, why not? Be be crazy. Go go, go, go wild. wild. <laughs> go wild. This is not Cinderella's pumpkin, okay? So no. I can get out there and get some beers. And this has been Double, Double Hoppy. Hoppy. Catch, Catch you on, on the, the brew side. side.